On today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, we'll be bringing in Ross Levitan and Brandon Pillar of Locked On Ottawa Centers to discuss what they think of the offseason for the centers, something that we've talked about on the show. Now we are going to get the Ottawa side of things. We're also going to talk about some former Panthers going to the centers, some center, former centers coming to the Florida Panthers. We're going to talk about biggest losses for the Panthers. We're also going to talk about players who will possibly make the biggest impact on each of our teams, all on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we now continue our season preview inside the division with Armando Velez from Locked On Panthers. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Pill. You can catch us over on the Locked On Senators podcast and the Florida Panthers. An amazing regular season, 122 points, the President's Trophy champions, but didn't win a game in the second round. Armando, I want to start there. What was it like, the highs of finishing the season? I believe clinching the president's trophy in a win against Ottawa and then the first round leading to a divisional rival. Yeah. That very same night that the Florida Panthers defeated the Ottawa senators, we had to wait a few hours for the clinching of the president's trophy when uh, Colorado was facing, facing Nashville. And I held off on recording to get an actual live reaction of winning the uh, president's trophy. And that was, one of the coolest uh, moments in my media career, right behind uh, working uh, the Masters in 2019, seeing Tiger Woods win. So that was the second greatest moment of my media career history. But it was great. And, you know, it, it was great having home ice advantage. We all know what the President's Trophy, as far as the curse or if people believe in it, uh, we, we all know the history. But, you know, this... This team, even in their first round win, didn't even look their best against Washington. Of course, one for 31 on the power play isn't going to do the job. And that's really what led to the uh, many moves that Bill Zito decided to make this offseason. Now, heading into that series against Tampa, like for, for us away from Panthers and Lightning fan, it kind of seems like a little brother, big brother dynamic with you guys being the little brother in Tampa with all their success and uh, everything that's happened there being like the big brother. Is that how it felt for you guys going into that series? And what was the confidence for the Panthers fan base heading into the series up against Tampa? It was very confident because they got their, they finally got that first round win for the first time in 26 years. And of course, Tampa didn't look their best during the regular season, but of course, when the playoffs are a different animal and, the, and they, they flipped the switch, especially in that third period of game six against Toronto for the Tampa Bay lightning. That was the turning point of that whole series um, for, for them. And it wasn't even Toronto blowing it the way they did the previous year. They, the Tampa was just that much better. The games were just that close and Florida, of course, having to grind it out against a team that on paper, they were way more talented than in Washington, but, not looking their best you know the the confidence at the time it was even though they didn't look their best it's a whole it was a whole new series going in into that new new one and the the panthers got um the lightning um they they split the season series as far as uh wins uh but you know 
it, it's a different story when it when it comes to the postseason. And of course, the even though it was a sweep, uh, two of those four games were fairly close. Uh, that the Florida Panthers just uh, it was it was a one goal it was a one goal game heading into he, heading to the final five minutes of the third period in both games uh, two and four. So when it comes to the fan base's reaction to that playoff loss, you know the power play had to have come up. You mentioned the stats even in the first round when they were successful. What kind of changes did the fan base want going into summer? Well, <laughs> the fan base, a lot of them wanted uh, – they, 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 they were not very happy with Mackenzie Weger, especially after, especially after game two. Um, that, that was a big one for, for, for Weegs, and he took a lot of heat during the – during the during the, the whole entire playoffs, Sergey Bobrovsky was the least of the problems uh, for for the Panthers um, in, in the in the first uh, two rounds of the postseason. But of course, there was also questioning the leadership, questioning the core three because the three best players uh, for the Panthers during the, the the ten games that they played in the playoffs, none of them were the core three of Barkov, Huberto, and Ekblad. And uh, I guess you could. You know, you could give Ekblad a little bit of a break because he was coming into the postseason after missing a few months. But Carver Hagee, Claude Giroux, and Sergey Bobrovsky were your three best players, and it was not your best players who were stepping up. So did it seem, or I guess better way to word it is, were you shocked when Huberto and uh, Mackenzie Weger were part of that package bringing in Kachuk? Like, personally, I was shocked that the Panthers moved not only Huberto, but Uyghur attached to that and more a pick and a prospect. Like, was that a shock to you that that happened? Or could you kind of see the writing on the wall for those players with on their last season of their deals? Well, I, I kind of saw it more and more when it was uh, the first day of free agency and we didn't see a Huberto extension right away. But at the Fair. same time, the offseason before, Bark, it took Bark off a little bit to sign his extension. So this was... I was just thinking that they were in their negotiation period. I always saw Mackenzie Weger as a rental this year before eventually leaving, whether it was going to be to Ottawa or somewhere else. Uh, so I, I was thinking at that at that time, because I made an episode two days before the Matthew Kachuk trade, it's like, I don't know how possible it is to pull a, a trade off. But the fact that he, won, he put Florida on his list just yeah. speaks volumes about the direction of the franchise and of course it resets so many different things as far as the cap too for the Panthers because those were two expiring deals along with it the difference between giving up a first round pick for Matthew Kachuk is that you're going to have eight more years of this guy versus giving up two first round picks for Ben Sherratt and Claude Giroux who you only saw half a season of that 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 is more painful than trading for Kachuk but now the Panthers, they have to go with a different approach in these next few trade deadlines because I don't know how much, how, I don't know how many first round picks you can trade uh, down the line. Uh, but it looks like that the Panthers are going to hit a little bit of a of a reset. But it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna stretch out long term for this team. Coming up, we're gonna get into what changes the Florida Panthers made. Are they going to be nearly as successful? You can't put pressure on them to have 122 points again, but Bet Online, our friends there, have them at 105 points. I'm gonna ask Armando what he thinks about that line of over-under for points, and we'll get Armando's takes on or what I should say, questions uh that he has about the Ottawa Senators. But first, I want to get back to as you mentioned, a few of the guys who left, a couple of guys coming in. So to finish off this first segment. 
I'm going to pull up and go through for some of our listeners here and viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, the in and out of the revolving door in South Florida. In we already talked about Matthew Kachuk coming in in that blockbuster trade for Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Wieger, a prospect and a first-round pick. Basically, everyone else is former Ottawa Senators, Colin White, Rudolph Spalsers, Chris Tierney, and Michael Delzato. And then they got Mark Stahl from the Detroit Red Wings and Nick Cousins uh, from Nashville, from Montreal, from wherever. He's been around the block. Nick Cousins, your gritty fourth-line type player. Alex Lyon coming in as well as a Calder Cup champion. Out of these additions, Armando, outside of the obvious Matthew Kachuk, who do you expect to make the biggest impact in the Panthers lineup? There's a possibility that that it could be Balsers uh, for the for the Florida Panthers or yes, uh, Armando. That's my guy. I miss uh, Rudolph Balsers. Look out for him. <laughs> and also Nick Cousins as well because he's been he's had some playoff experience before. Also playing with the Vegas Golden Knights has made a Western Conference final as well. Balsers, he's coming off a career high in goals, playing on a bottom uh, bottom role with the San Jose Sharks just recently. If I'm not mistaken, he was part of the Eric Carlson trade to Ottawa, if I get if I get this correct, and then yep. later claimed again by the San Jose Sharks, if I'm not mistaken. You got so it. Two different stints with the San Jose Sharks, all in that trade uh, with uh, Eric Carlson that ended up being uh, Timmy Stutzla for the Ottawa Senators. I know how much Sens fans are liking that pick, that's for sure. But I think it could be Balsers or uh, Nick Cousins. Now, how about let's go to the uh, the out players for the Florida Panthers, the subtractions. Which one of these is going to have the biggest impact leaving? Now, it's Jonathan Huberto is probably the obvious answer. But the reason I ask this question is because seeing Mackenzie Weger and Ben Chirac go, a lot of people are questioning the Florida Panthers' decor. So, do maybe one of those defensemen actually leave a bigger impact since... Nobody really replaces him on defense, whereas Huberto, you can you can kind of make the point that uh, Matthew Kachuk will bring in a similar point total there. I think the answer is Mackenzie Weger, that's for sure, because with the 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 chemistry that he's been able to develop with Aaron Eckblad um, over the last few years now now becoming part of a top pair, but shipping him out gives a big opportunity for someone like Gus Forsling, who's been really in that middle pair. Uh, but has been, but we see how fast this guy of a skater he is um, and how he's able to change direction, especially if there's a turnover. Um, and Gus Forsling has been great at recovering, but it's going to be a little bit of growing pain for the for the bottom part of that defense. I mean, Mark Stahl is is up there in age as well. Racco Gudis is on on an expiring deal coming uh, next year. Uh, Brandon Montour, um, he, he resigned after a trade uh, from Buffalo, but he he is a he's a middle pairing uh guy and then there's going to be an interchanging uh there's going to be a revolving door of that seventh defenseman for the Panthers that you're going to see Lucas Carlson probably in the mix Matt Kirstead in the mix as well um so there's going to be there's going to be a few a few times where um there's going to be that that different uh defenseman on the third pair um every single night most likely to start the season it's going to be really interesting. I don't know if Mark Stahl was, was really NHL caliber last year in Detroit. Now to put him in as an everyday guy on a team that has playoff and championship aspirations. I think that decor is going to be something to watch in Florida. Now, mm-hmm. how about Sergei Bobrovsky? That was seen as a brutal contract a couple of years ago. But you said that last year 
He played, I mean, maybe not up to a $10 million standard, but certainly he was a solid contributor to their success last season. How do you see it going in, in the crease between him and Spencer Knight, who I'm sure as he gets more mature and more experience, he's going to be banging on the door trying to get more ice time himself. Yeah, and the thing is, he's on his last year of his ELC too. That's the thing. So it's going to be um, Bob's in year four now, more than halfway through that deal. I'm almost there um, with that with that heavy cap hit for the Panthers. Um, and it's funny because NHL.com just released their top 10 goalies and Bobrovsky's not in the top 10, which I'm not disappointed by the list. I I I I, I know it's not he's not in that uh, in that echelon anymore. And actually, it's a kind of a kind of a plug to uh, listen to possibly Wednesday's episode of Locked On Panthers, as I will talk more about Sergei Bobrovsky not being in the top 10. But the the best thing, Bob, um, what happened to Bob was probably off the ice of not being on social media and also having a kid uh, for the first time. And that changed how he played on, on the ice. That that really seemed to have been the difference. And I remember I just went I went to a, I went to the game against the Seattle Kraken um, in Sunrise, Florida in November and just walking to the media room. It, he didn't start that night. It was a Spencer night versus a Chris Drieger start and seeing Bob in the side gym. Uh, next to the media room, just working, consistently putting in work. And that's what Sergei Bobrovsky uh, does all the time off the ice. So he's going to stay ready. Um, and and I, it's really hard to predict goalies one year to the next. That's the, that's the, that's the strange thing about goalies. Um, but I think, I think if you have anything of what Bob was last year, you put yourself in a good position. Coming up next, we're going to get Armando's takes on the Ottawa Senators. What does it look like from his point of view? Are the Ottawa Senators a team that concerns him about potentially losing points throughout the regular season? And then our predictions. We'll wrap up with that all coming up next right here on a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Panthers podcast. Before we get back into our conversation with Ross Levitan and Brandon Pillar, we're going to tell you guys all about Bilt Bar. And if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourselves. You're going to like the love the new cookie dough chunk puffs. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar. And they taste better than a candy bar. Dish the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 50% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 for 50% off at Built.com. All right, Armando. Fire away. What kind of questions do you have about the Ottawa Senators after a busy offseason up north? I, it's funny because I had a way too early show um, on my podcast talking about possible playoff teams for for the East, who could be in, who could be out. Um, in that very way too early show, this was like not even a week after the Debrinket trade. <laughs> I, I had I had Ottawa in the in the post in the postseason 
Um, might change as I get to the real predictions going into into the this regular. This is our reaction to that, Armando. <laughs> Ah, okay, that's a good one. For, for those listening, for those listening, not not seeing this on the uh, listening on audio, uh, Ross just put a picture of Quadru with a thumbs up in a in an uh, in a senator's sweater. But I want to I want to ask you guys, who who do you think is the biggest um, addition of the main ones, Giroux, Debrinket, or even or could it be Cam Talbot? I want to get interesting with it, but I'm going to go with the obvious answer and Alex to rank it. I mean, anytime you add a 40 plus goal scorer to your team and, and without it's giving like, one up on the same time or oh, even man, a roster no. player. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even a roster player at all, let alone uh, another high point scorer and a defenseman and, a, and uh, pick some prospects. But the Ottawa centers did a great job acquiring Alex to bring it at a good time. They did give up some picks, but these Sens don't need picks anymore. The rebuild is over, Armando. We're going for it. Finally, Sens fans can feel that way at least. But when you can add a guy like Debrinkit, obviously 40-plus goals helps. The power play is going to improve. But the biggest thing is now Tim Stutzla in his third year in the NHL will have a legitimate second line. I mean, Debrinkit, you could say, is a top-line player. But he will have a legitimate sniper on his flank to feed the puck to and to get the puck because Timmy can score goals too. I think that's the biggest increase to this team is giving Tim Stutzla a proper line mate that he can flourish with. Yeah, 100%. Now, Armando, I, I want to compare it here. And honestly, I'm a little surprised after I look it up that, that Barkov struggled as much as he did in his second year in the league. But I want to see it more as like from when he turned 21 to 22, where it's like, I think Bar yeah, Barkov had uh, 52 points in 61 games as a 21-year-old and then jumped up to 78 and 79 the next year. When it comes to Tim Stutzla, that's kind of what Sens fans are expecting here, that he's going to be, if not a point-per-game player, then awfully close. And he had 32 points in the last 31 games of last season, moving over to center, becoming more comfortable there. But you saw what Claude Giroux can do to any line that he's on. He just slows the pace down, able to find good seams. And then, yet if you had told me, like, who are the perfect line mates for Tim Stutzla? You can't find two better than Giroux and Debrinket, and, and they're both going to make impacts. And I'm still with Pilsy. I'm just trying to give a different angle to it because Debrinket, he just brings so much pedigree as a scorer, two-time 40-goal scorer, 24 years old. But the fact that both of them are going to help this third overall pick develop into the player we know he can be and that he's shown flashes of, I honestly think the biggest impact is is Tim Stutzla versus the other two additions. It's it's what they can do for him because Ottawa had a good top line last year. Josh Norris scored 35 goals in 66 games. Another piece of the Carlson trade that you brought up before. Then you've got Brady Kachuk, the captain. And I'm sure we're going to be gray hair. We're going to be blue in the face listening to the Kachuk rivalry six times a year. Twice was enough when he was in Calgary. But... Obviously, Brady has led the team in scoring the last two years. Then you have Drake Batherson on the right side. He was over a point-per-game player last year. If it weren't for a dirty play from Aaron Dell, you would have seen him at the All-Star game, and you would have seen him continue in the second half. But Dell kind of stuck a leg out, high ankle sprain. He missed six weeks. The only problem with having one line, though, is they can defend it with their top defensive pair, their top checking line. Now Ottawa has a situation where they're going to have to pick one or the other. And I know that's why Florida went out and got Drew last year, and now he's going to play a similar role here in terms of spreading out the depth of this lineup. And I think they even go further than that. I think the Sens' third line is going to surprise. So 
I think offensively, this is going to be a team that's going to be near the top uh, of not only the Atlantic Division, but the Eastern Conference. I think that the question marks are, are similarly to Florida is on the decor and, and what's going to happen there. But yeah, to answer your question way too long, I think that the the best addition is Alex Debrinkit, but it's going to impact Tim Stutzla more than anything. Mm-hmm. And according to Daily Faceoff, that is projected to be their second line with the first top line of Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, and Brady Kachuk. And you mentioned that third line, uh, Shane Pinto, uh, Alex Formington, and Matthew Joseph. That At least that's the Daily Faceoff uh, projection. Uh, how's the health of uh, Shane Pinto, by the way? Yeah, it's, it's good. He's been in Ottawa working out more or less the last three weeks, I want to say. The excitement is is palpable in Ottawa, and you can see that. They're, they're just training at the local community center, the, the Sensplex, we call it up here. And fans are, are there every day. I, I haven't seen more selfies in the last two weeks than I have the last two years. And, I mean, it's also a great sign that we're coming out of the pandemic to an extent. But also, the players are all in town three weeks before camp. They all want to kind of get to, together. And Shane Pinto has been there working out day in and day out. So the health is 100%. He only played five games last year due to a shoulder separation. He came back, took a face off, popped it out, and he was out for the year. Now, the the one asterisk on that third line is Alex Formanton, who had 18 goals, a couple against Florida, if I'm not mistaken, last year, maybe in that 8-2 game. But he's still a restricted free agent. The last player without a contract at the time of this recording on September 5th. And of course there's the hockey Canada scandal and there's still no word on it. We're not going to judge one way or another until the, the facts come out, but it is interesting to note that he was a member of that team Canada team. And he's also the only player on the team without a contract. So it's hard not to draw a, a connection there. Maybe they're, they're trying to find a clause where if it, if he is, then they can, they can void it. Whatever it is, he doesn't have a contract right now. So there there could be one spot up for grabs. But at least in the rebuild, I don't know if there's been a time, Pilsy can can maybe correct me, where there's been this many spots spoken for. There might only be one training camp battle. It really seems like what you see on paper is what you're going to get maybe with a fourth-line center in and out of the lineup. Yeah, and um, another question that I have is uh, someone coming into the mix for the Senators. Uh, same draft as Timmy Stutzla, just two picks after Drake San- um, Jake Sanderson uh, signing as the LC. Um, what do you see as uh, his his possible role with the team? Well, hey, he learned from Matt Kierstead, eh, Pilsy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, another great uh, no NODAC alumni. And we, we've just found out uh, recently, Armando, that uh, DJ Smith has announced that Jake Sanderson is going to play on – likely a second pair role with Travis Hamannick. So that's where he's slated. He is top 4D potential written all over him. This is a guy that his bread and butter is transitioning the puck up the ice. He's a smooth skater. And similar to Thomas Shabbat, he is very comfortable playing a lot of minutes a night and big minutes. He likes being the guy in big moments. And coaching staffs, general managers of, of teams, whether it's college or international levels, they seem to trust him and be comfortable putting him in big spots. Is he going to be that guy seamlessly in his transition from college hockey to the NHL? Maybe not, but that's where it's good that he has kind of the the safety of Thomas Shabbat being able to handle that role until he can get more comfortable. And, and eventually I can see Jake Sanderson as being a top pair caliber defenseman. So Sens fans are very, very excited, needless to say, to see him in an Ottawa Senators jersey and play in the NHL finally. Yeah, and the thing about Jake Sanderson, he he suffered a pretty brutal injury. He got his, his wrist pretty much yeah. slit by a um, by a skate 
uh, playing college hockey. Classic Jake Sanderson in that he was diving across the crease to the far post trying to save a goal uh, up two, I think, with about five or six minutes left. So this is a guy who only played 23 college games this past season and had 26 points as a defenseman. And when he was drafted, offense was was told, don't expect too much out of it. He is just like an awesome skating defenseman who really has great gap control and thinks the game well, but don't expect points, maybe 20, 25 points and he'll play on the penalty kill. No, now this guy's shown that there's a level of dynamicism to his game offensively. Maybe he could run a second power play in it. He's got a great shot as well. So he's the X factor on the back end because last year, what we needed was addition by subtraction. And that opens up these spots for the up-and-coming kids to make a bigger impact. You mentioned Shane Pinto as well, taking that spot that Colin White vacated down to to South Florida. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how long this team takes to gel as well, because that's always something that you have to be wary of when you make so many different moves coming into an offseason. And this is a team that has only won four of its first 20 games in each of the last two seasons. Four wins in the first 20 games. You're out of the playoffs. You're, you're done. 20 games in. They cannot afford to have a slow start this uh, this season. I know Ottawa and uh, Florida meet, I believe, in the third week of the season, right at the end of October, because um, they're playing in Tampa on, on November 1st. So it's got to be there on the October 30th 29th. or 29th. There you go. And that's in Sunrise. So obviously, Ottawa had a little bit of success down there last year. I think Florida shut out Ottawa in Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, don't forget about that 8-2 game, Ross. Well, that that was one in that was the one in Sunrise. Yeah. Um, Dylan Gambrell scored a goal, and at that point, just just turn the Xbox off, call it a night when Dylan Gambrell's putting offensive uh, do, chances. Do what you need to. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, no, it's going to be exciting. I think. Uh, well, unless you have any more questions, I'm excited for prediction time here. As we as we wrap up this crossover, but do you have any more questions? Whether it's of uh, guys coming in or any other questions on the sense, I have a, I have a more. Uh, I do have a comment. Um, we 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 don't know the NHL app at least doesn't show all nationally televised games just yet. But I think there needs to be more of an emphasis on Panthers Senators at least in the U.S. I, I know you're gonna. I know you're gonna get. Ga- I know you're gonna get games where you are uh, in in Canada. But as far as the U.S. about Turner and ESPN, there needs to be there needs to be Panthers Senators on the national stage. When <laughs> hey, it's gonna be teams. good offensive action, hundred percent. Oh, because, absolutely. Because the Ch- the Kachuk factor, two division <laughs> rivals, an up and coming team in the in the Ottawa Senators. I do think they're on their on possibly on their way and and a team that has been probably on their they, they are on their best postseason streak in their franchise history in the Panthers hard to believe uh but th- these two teams these two teams need to be on the national stage more and the three matchups the 29th in sunrise the tw- um, March 27th at Ottawa April 6th at Flor- at Florida so two two in Florida one in Ottawa those need to make uh those need to make uh at least one of those national television um, uh, slot. But one more thing, bet online over unders. You tweeted all of our division. Yes. Uh, you guys tweeted all of our divisions. I, I, I had a whole show talking about over unders for the division. Uh, Ottawa at eighty six point five. I had them at the over in the low nineties. Um, what about you guys? Where do you see over unders for uh, the the Sens this season? 
Nice little tease coming up right after the break. We'll get into over-unders. And I'm going to ask Armando, who is one X factor for the Florida Panthers to have even more success than they did last season? Stay tuned. This is a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Panthers podcast. All right, you're listening to Locked On Senators, Locked On Panthers. I'm Ross Levitan, also alongside Brandon Piller, as always, and Armando Velez joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at MandoMan12. Locked On Panthers is LO underscore Panthers, right? LO underscore FLA Panthers. Ooh, there you go. A little South Florida love in the mix as well. And of course, it was a real successful team in the regular season, the most successful team in the regular season last year. Some new faces and a high point total 105.5 for the Florida Panthers but you asked us first so Pilsy are the Sens going over or under 86 and a half points I'm gonna say over I I have the Sens somewhere in the 90s maybe low 90s I think that's where we can aim here because if everything went perfect and no injuries happened and we lived in an ideal world, uh, at least for Sens fans, where the Senators uh, didn't have to deal with massive injuries to Drake Batherson, Josh Norris, Thomas Shabbat. There were so many injuries that uh, kind of derailed this team season last year. They didn't even have a chance, as Ross mentioned, the slow starts uh, derailed their season early and then they couldn't gain any momentum. So if they can maintain their health, and now that they have two stable goalies in Anton Forsberg and Cam Talbot, I believe they can have a massive bounce-back season, not to mention the additions up front in Giroux and Debrinkat. Yeah, I think if it was at 89.5, I would be right on the button. I think yeah. that they're going to be somewhere between 87 and 92 would be my five-point range for the send. So as an easy answer to 86.5, I'll take the over as well now Armando you might you might be uh getting some some fighting words from me right now but I'm on record as saying on our show that the lock of the century is Panthers under 105.5 and that's not even saying that they're not going to be top three I do think that in all likelihood they're top three in the division but 105 and a half points is extremely high I look at Detroit being better I look at Buffalo being better I look at Ottawa being better there's only the Habs as easy points in the division. What What are your thoughts first? And then I'll get Pilsies because, I mean, I'm hammering the under for Florida. I agree with you. I actually agree with you with the under. I mean, you put up the graphic early on the show of how many missing pieces the Florida Panthers have. And we haven't even mentioned in this episode that there's going to be $6.4 million in dead cap for the Panthers. Uh, this Yandel, season, right? Keith Yandel and Scott Darling. Scott Darling's will be off officially off the books, uh, and Yandel, the majority of it, will be off after this year. So $15 million of cap space for the Panthers. So wow. kind of the reason why they went in the direction that they did. But I'm going to... So ha- basically, I can thank Keith Yandel for the Senators getting Claude Giroux. Po- yes, possibly. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, yes, Keith. <laughs> so that 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 bio um had a reason had a big reason to why uh Drew is no is no longer a Panther and the offer was one million dollars for uh Claude Drew. I don't Unreal. blame Drew for I don't blame Drew for leaving. That's almost insulting, honestly. Yeah, for, for it him. is insulting. He got six and a half for three years in mm-hmm. Ottawa. Yeah, but I do agree with I do agree with the under uh for for Florida, but maybe around like hundred and two. 104 points around there. All right. Pelsey, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, I've got the under too, but I mean, 105, that, that's a high bar to, to kind of leap over, especially when you, most President's Trophy winning teams, they suffer some losses due to the salary cap era. So it's going to happen. As long as you make the playoffs, if you're the Florida Panthers, I think you're happy because what you do acquiring Matthew Kachuk is you beef up your playoff hopes. If we've seen what a guy can do in the playoffs and what a guy can do, not only scoring goals and getting on the point sheet, but sometimes more important in the postseason, getting under other players' skin, especially Big Brother's skin, uh, Armando. That's important <laughs> if the Lightning end up facing the Panthers again. He's going to be someone you're happy is on your side. That's for Well, sure. I was going to say, what, what little brother doesn't like getting under Big Brother's skin in terms of this matchup, too? Yes. I think that, obviously, from a points perspective, it's not even worth asking because you'd expect the older brother who's proven to be a 40-goal, 100-point guy. You expect him to have that. But, I mean, Matthew's on record, too, saying that uh, Brady's got the toughness factor on, on lock there. But uh, I love the move for the for the Panthers in the long term. Rather than pay a 30-year-old, I know what he did for the franchise and everything is is important. I think once feelings are, are you know, recovered over the years. Is he a guy? Do you think number 11 will ever be worn again in, in Florida? Wow. Um there's a possibility that that it could be a no. Uh, that that most points and most games played in franchise history, when yeah, most of this franchise existence has been like losing, I I'd yeah. say there's a set right now for entertainment purposes only. I say seventy five percent chance that number eleven will never be worn again. So who who else has a number retired there? Is it just one for Luongo, or are there other guys who have their number retired? He's the only player. Uh, he's the only player, but there's also a 37 for Wayne Heisinga, the, the first owner of the Panthers, and uh, there's a number up there for uh, Bill Torrey, the first uh, GM of the Panthers as well. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. There's a banner over there. It's not, yeah. not as bad as um, Minnesota retired number one for the fans because the fans are number one. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Jesper Wallstad might not be able to wear his preferred number because the fans have it. Hey, <laughs> you got to give it to the fans. Shout the out fans. to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, Armando, give me one X factor from the Florida Panthers. Now, a lot of people are listening to this. They're about to do their fantasy hockey pool. So maybe a guy who's low-key, going to surprise people with his point total, or a guy who's really going to contribute to the success outside of your Barkovs and your Kachucks and your Ekblads and the players who everyone's aware are going to make a big impact. I think if we're talking, um, I think the obvious answer for this one is Gus Forsling. Now that he's going to be on okay. the first pair, um, he's going to be paired up with the, with Aaron Ekblad. And of course the top line is going to be on, on, on the ice, especially at home when you have the last change, uh, you're going to be able to get your matchups uh, and Gus Forsling, he's a great puck mover and great skater, and he's it's going to really help with his point total. And he is an incredibly underrated passer. Okay, I like that. We can't do a crossover with the Panthers, though, without bringing up Anton Lundell. Like, what are you expecting from him next season? Because to me, what a steal. We're, I would have been happy with him at five. You mentioned the Sens had third and fifth that draft. If they had taken Lundell, I could have talked myself into it easily. He ends up going 12th overall. Is there a better person for him to learn from than Alex Barkov? Probably not. He had 44 points and was a plus 33 and had a 56.6 Corsi in his first year in the National Hockey League. What are expectations like for him? Uh, a possible jump, that's for sure. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take – he's going to do it with different line mates possibly this time. And there's no guarantee that Paul Maurice is going to 
put the same uh, line mate in Sam Reinhart on that third line for the, the Panthers. There could be a possibility that Sam Reinhart plays on the top um, top line with Barkov and Verhage. And there could be uh, we could see uh, new line mates for uh, Anton Lindell coming into the season with uh, Nick Cousins and Colin White. So but hey, uh, he's played at the in, at the top level in Liga. And he's been he's played in World Juniors and World Championships, so there nothing nothing phases the guy. And Alexander Barkov, as far as biggest help, I mean, he invited him as his roommate in the beginning of the yeah. season of uh, in Boca Raton uh, before uh, Anton Lindell got settled down and got his own place. So uh, he he's learning he's learning from the best, that's for sure. I like that. Pills, you want to give us a uh, an X factor for the Sens before we get out of here? And again, everyone, make sure you're following Armando on Twitter at MandoMan12 and LO underscore FLA Panthers. And you can follow us at Send Central. I'm at Ross Levitan, and it's Brandon Pillar 17. Is there an underscore in there too, Pillsy? Brandon Pillar 1, actually. Ooh. So uh, Oh, that's on number, Instagram, eh? Sick. Yeah, my number would not be able to be used in Minnesota. Brandon Pillar 1, not available. <laughs> um, the X factor for me, similar to kind of the parameters, uh, Ross said, I won't go with the the obvious Norris, Kachak, or Debrinket. I'll uh, sprinkle something a, a little different in here. And there was a guy we mentioned, Drake Batherson. I mean, in 46 games, he had 44 points. If it wasn't for Aaron Dell uh, in his dirty move injuring Drake Batherson, he would have been the all-star. I, from all things considered, he would have had an amazing season. He was playing on the top power play unit. Things were clicking. So for your fantasy purposes and for uh, a guy maybe Florida Panthers fans aren't so familiar with, Drake Batherson would be my X factor for the Ottawa Senators. All right. You heard it here first. Drake Batherson and Gustav Forsling for some X factors going in to this upcoming season. Armando. October 29th, we'll chat again, all right? We'll get you on and leading into Panthers Senators in what should be a national televised game in uh, in the United States. The Sens need a few more of those, no doubt, after I believe being shut out last season with the big goose egg while Toronto and Montreal got a few of their own. But yes, that's Locked On Panthers. You can go follow them on Twitter and subscribe on YouTube as well and do the same for Locked On Senators. For Armando Velez and Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the crossover edition between the Locked On Senators and Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.